Cielo da luna, mezzo mare, mamma mia, mamma redare. Set the fear upon the sea, fill your man, but chat to do. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And here we are again, the three amigos. Patrick, how are you, my friend? Good evening, I am fine. How are you? Perfect, 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 as always. And Megan, our little princess over here. <laughs> how you guys Star doing? of the show. <laughs> there you go. We're, we're, the, we're the backup singers. <laughs> <laughs> well, tonight we're going to talk about a guy that most of the world knows. I was particularly fortunate to meet him personally. And I think you two should enlighten our guests who are not astute of who Mr. Jack Welch was. Ladies first. Oh, Pat, no, please take it away. You're, you're an <laughs> okay. expert. You're a resident expert here. All right. No, I'm the resident historian. I'm oh, that too. No, anyway, please uh, take it away. I had the pleasure, too, of meeting Jack Welch on several occasions. I didn't know him as well as you did, Gianni. Uh, a uh, mutual uh, friend of ours, uh, Bo Deedle, Ace Private Eye, his description, not mine, uh, had a Christmas party every year, and Jack would be there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jack uh, Welch just passed away uh, about a week ago, age uh, 84. Uh, the true definition of a business magnate. Uh, this guy was, was brilliant. He was the head of uh, the CEO of General Electric from uh 1981 to 2001 and his estimated wealth not that that has anything to do with what he accomplished in life but his estimated wealth was 720 million dollars when he died his severance pay uh when he left was 417 million which is the largest payment in business history wow i didn't know that wow that's impressive Uh, he's got a (laughs) master's degree i'm I'm a big education guy as you know i appreciate people of uh, educations. He had a master's degree uh, in addition to undergraduate degrees, and he had a PhD in chemical engineering. So you would think somebody with that background would not be a business genius. Mm-hmm. It's all his degrees, his, uh, his undergraduate degrees in uh, uh, chemical engineering, uh, having to do with the uh, nuts and bolts of a business, not how, you, how to run a business, but he, apparently he was a natural. He joined uh, General Electric in 1960 as a junior chemical engineer in uh, Pittsfield, Mass, at wow. a salary of $10,500 per year. And $2,018, that's $90,000. I made sure I looked that up. Mm. Uh, 1963, there was an explosion at the factory that was under his management, and uh, he was very close to getting fired because of it. Not that he was the cause of the explosion, but the the buck stops with the boss. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and at the right. time, he was he was running that uh, that uh, plant. But he became the youngest uh, uh, chairman of of uh, GE in uh, in history in 1982. Well, and he went. Uh, he brought the company up. Uh, it increased the market value in 1981, uh, where it started. When he started at twelve billion dollars to four hundred and ten billion. Jesus. Twenty years later. That's amazing. No, that, I mean you know you can say well inflation and all, but that <laughs> that's a uh, that's a hell of an increase. That's got nothing to do with uh, with, with the cost of living. I mean this guy was a, was a friggin' dynamo. Mm-hmm. 
Now, he had a, a particular uh, business plan. Each year, get a load of this, I, he would fire the bottom 10% of his managers regardless of how they performed. Wow. Really? At the random? bottom 10%, even if they perform well, and obviously everybody, well, I can't speak for everybody who worked there, but obviously the business was uh, uh, increasing their bottom line every year. I mean, from $12 billion to $410 billion. So apparently his managers were doing their job, and no matter how they were doing, the bottom 10% by the numbers were fired. Every year? Every year. Wow. But he, why would, why he would somebody want to go have a job? brutal candor. No, but no let kidding. me ask you a question. Just uh, why would somebody apply for a job that felt that? Because they figured that they could outperform everybody else. And that was his reason. The incentive. Yep. Oh, yeah, okay. I see. Smart. I see. Yeah, you know, and I'm sure he would, uh, whoever was hiring there would pick the cream of the crop and everybody would be ambitious. And he said, well, I'm not going to wind up in the bottom 10%. Well, news. Then somebody has works, to wind up in the bottom 10%. Yeah. Harder. Uh, but he awarded. Uh, the top twenty percent with the uh, uh, bonuses and stock options. So he took care of his, his people. Right, the point right. was, he expected everybody to have his vision, to work as hard as he did. And if he didn't, no matter how much money he made for the company, if you were in the bottom ten, you were gone. Now he developed a nickname, uh, Neutron Jack. Have you heard of this, Gianni? No, no. Okay, the Neutron Bomb, which uh, we were uh, this country was in the process of inventing. That, yeah in the early 80s was a bomb that killed people but did not destroy structures. It was called a neutron bomb. We never uh, brought it to fruition, but it was almost done. So he developed the name Neutron Jack because he would eliminate employees but leave the buildings intact. <laughs> so he, he went through life. I'm sure he wasn't called out in front of his face. Uh, but uh, it goes to his management style. When he started at General Electric, there were 411,000 employees. And at the end of 1985, there were 300,000 employees. Wow. So he increased productivity by reducing his employee base by a third. That's a genius. That's a genius. That's right. He wow. Got, he got rid of the dead wood. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, he got rid of the dead wood and some. Yeah. Not all those people had to be dead wood. Right, right. You had, you had to perform exemplary, otherwise you were gone. Uh, in 1999, he was made the manager of the century by Fortune magazine. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Of the century. I, yeah. I met him around that time. I met him in the 90s, which was interesting, because we all live on the Upper East Side, and I was performing at a place called Feinstein's, Michael Feinstein's at the Regency Hotel, and I was there every Monday night. And... Uh, I, I made sure I was went on after Monday Night Football. It was a classic, uh -huh. or before it, and uh, they, they, he'd come in a lot. He really come in a lot, and we got to be friends. And his second wife, Jane, I think her name is, yeah. And uh, she came to me one day in the lobby of the Regency Hotel right down the street, which my friend Steve Tish owns, and uh, said, "We want you to perform at this year's Christmas party." And his Christmas party was like the who's who. But he was such a subtle man. What he was doing for me was like unbelievable. Mm. They were asking me to be the MC and host the Christmas party with my band. So it was at the Rainbow Room on the top of the sixes. And my friend Henry, Harry Cipriani, of Ch the famed Cipriani fame out of Italy, 
had it. So he gave me the job there after that because of him. Hmm. So I went, we're doing a sound check. It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon of the day of the party, like mid-December. And I'm not there a half hour. And Tony Bennett walks up. I said, what are you doing here? He said, what are you doing here? <laughs> and he knew what I was going to do. I was gonna do. He said, I know what you're doing. But I'm here because uh, Jack wants me to do three or four songs. And I wanted to know if we could use your instruments rather than tear down, build up, because you're, you're going to stay on. Right. So I said, please. So he did a, a little rehearsal, and he left. So I started rehearsing my own stuff, doing my own sound check. And Jerry Seinfeld comes walking in. And I knew Jerry because I just finished a run with a TV show I wrote and produced called AJ's Time Travelers. Mm -hmm. And I, sh I shot that at CBS Radford. And Jerry Seinfeld was doing the Seinfeld show there. So I knew Jer Jerry on a whole different medium than everybody else did. And I said, what are you doing? He said, well, uh, he wants to do like a half hour for him. So I'm saying, I said, wait a minute. I know what these guys get, $100,000, $200,000. He offered me 25000 which I thought was so generous for the wow. night. But I was the underpaid guy. <laughs> but <laughs> subtly, he introduced me to the who's who of New York. The people, the 500 guests, black tie party at the Rainbow Room, I was the guy for three hours. Wow. And I started getting the friendships of uh, the Casamatides, I did his parties, the Soloways, they're all Republicans. Jack was a staunch Republican, you know. Oh, yeah, very conservative guy. In fact, Amazing. he took, he, he was uh, uh, taken to task for the uh, uh, stock options. He would backdate stock option for his, you know, upper management people. And he would give huge Christmas bonuses to these people. And uh, the media got a hold of it. And they said, you know, these, these people make... 10,000 times what the average working man does. And he said, I, I, he said, without these people that I'm rewarding handsomely, you wouldn't have working people here. And he really backed them. And that's a real conservative Republican attitude. Right, right. And he never backed down from that. I, I have to give him credit for that. He said, these people are paid what they're worth. Wow. Whatever I have to pay them, that's what I'm going to give them. No, it's crazy. I mean, because of him, I mean, uh, like Mike Bloomberg, who also was a Republican. He changed parties to run against Trump, but uh, he was a staunch Republican. So all these people I was meeting on a friendly basis, and then they, they created the Bloomberg Building on 58th Street, and in that building they created Le Cirque. Hmm. And they, I, knew, I knew the old man, uh, Maccioni, and they suggested, you know, why don't you get that kid who's at Feinstein's, <laughs> They call me the kid. <laughs> Get that How kid. old were you then? Jeez, I was already, what, 760, 70? <laughs> and, still a kid. And uh, they said, Get that kid, he's good. And was that's how I got to go to the Cirque. Wow. I stayed there 10 years. But what I find it interesting to watch these guys who are so smart, like you pointed out, and then they remarried again. He married Susie, mm -hmm. a young girl. And one Monday night, talking about Monday night football, because at the circuit I didn't do anything on Monday nights. I did like the weekends. And they all would come down to watch sports at the bar. There'd be five or six billionaires. Oh my gosh. Even a good friend of mine, Steve Marin, go off. All these guys. And I said to him, why aren't you upstairs in your house? 
Oh, she don't like sports. Yeah, if a bomb ever hit that bar, the oh economy of the United States would be destroyed. But you're talking about his yeah. guys are multi-millionaires. Wow. They're not allowed to watch sports <laughs> in their forty million dollar penthouse. I can always throw you out the window. See you later. <laughs> but I mean, but that's how, like you're pointing out, like even with the stock, he would do things for people that you don't ask him. He just did it. I mean, the guy was that kind of a guy. He, he rewarded his people, mm. but he had a high bar for who gets rewarded. No, I mean it's. Um, I, 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 he did a lot of innovative stuff too, which, which shocked the economy of New York City. You know, the state of New York, rather. Hmm. You know, it, he after he GE. retired, he accused uh, then President Obama of manipulating the economic statistics and oh, actuating really? Yeah, well, I tell you, yes, yes, this guy a question, and he he wouldn't fudge an answer. He said uh, the economy isn't doing that well. Obama is is actually manipulating. The, uh, the the books, so to speak. Right. And uh, everybody was pissed off, but he stuck to his guns. He said, I'm not backing down on that. And he never did. And that was in 2012. Wow. Uh, he became a teacher. He gave his name to Sacred Heart University's College of Business uh, in 2006. And it became the uh, the John F. Welch College of Business. You know, John for Jack. Right, that right, was his, right. John right. was his real name. Right. Uh, until two. 2016 when it became the Jack Welch College of Business huh. where it remains today wow. and he also taught he always wanted to be a teacher and in his retirement the guys worth a billion dollars he was he was teaching on the college level yeah wow yeah. I mean as, uh, I mean again for me I, I could sit and talk to this guy about anything and he taught I said what are you doing do you stock my no I don't do any of that no no he just is a, a, a minch. In fact, we ha I, when, when he passed, I put a picture up of him and I, um, me, Dottie Herman and I. And Dottie Herman, for the people out there that don't know who she is, she was just starting out in the real estate business and is now the CEO of Douglas Edelman Worldwide. Hmm. And he would give information, if he liked you, he would advise you and he'd sit for hours give me a piece of paper give me a pencil what are you doing there? And, just, and I could see him doing that with her and I, I had so many times that he was a very generous guy with his time if he liked you and respected you did he ever do that with you advise you on he advised me in a lot of things yeah I got my, my stuff was different because he knew uh, he knew a little about me because uh, one of his close friends was a uh, John Kluge Who's John Kluge? John Kluge uh, owned uh, Foster and Clydesdale, all those big. And uh, you, you, some of our fans will remember John Kluge because John Kluge paid me $15,000 to bring Marlon Brando to his house party at the Waldorf Towers. Okay. And that's when Brando brought his dog. He asked him last right, minute right, right. I could bring a date. But John that was Kluge. Yeah, that's John Kluge. And, but the people that I met because of him, and he knew that I was working, and he thought he was fascinated that I was working with uh, um, uh, Adnan Khashoggi, mm -hmm. and, uh, who was known as one of the biggest arms dealers, and Bob Shaheen, who's still alive, 
and I, I, I talked to him regularly, but um, he was fascinated how the, me, a street guy, got involved with, you know, the likes of Mylansky, and mm -hmm. he knew all of this. And just because of that, he was like picking my brain while I was picking his brain. <laughs> and, and he knew of, of a major deal we did in Switzerland with a nuclear submarine. And Kluge, I mean, uh, Khashoggi, was written up all over the world about it. But, and you know, and uh, he knew that I was involved with it indirectly, but he felt it was fascinating. Mm. But I, well, the point I was trying to make earlier, though, with uh, what he did to New York State, he realized what he was paying to New York State, and I think it was the Carolinas. Where did they move uh, General Electric? Out of New York State? They moved it to? Pennsylvania. Was it Pennsylvania? I believe so. Uh, I didn't get that out of my research, though. It started out in Massachusetts, and then I believe it moved to Pennsylvania. But uh, I'm not going to swear by it. Yeah. Well, the biggest, the biggest place, streets, acres, was upstate New York in in uh, Saratoga, not Saratoga, Schenectady, and all that. I mean, the buildings are still there. Now they're reopening them again because they gave them a tax thing. They're, they're building GE refrigerators again in the state of New York. That was part of Andrew Cuomo's situation. Yeah, he was a visionary. I mean, uh, before it was popular, well, he started his own school. I mean, they had schools named after him, as I right. uh, previously said. But he started the Jack Welch Management Institute. Uh, it was a program at the Chancellor University, and he was the first one to offer an online uh, master's in business administration. This was 2009. Wow. He was the first one to do that. He saw that this is the wave of the future. So this was one brilliant man. This, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't realize uh, how far-reaching and, and uh, uh, what a what a thinker he was. I mean, whoever thought of teaching online, you know, 11 years ago? I mean, now it's endemic everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, I teach online. And, I and, like and does he get the credits for that? It's the same thing as being there, only you're not. I know, that but what, did he get the yeah. credit? Absolutely. For, for creating thing. that? Is it known that? Same thing. The same thing as being in the school. In fact, the online courses, and I've, I've taught them and I've taken them, are more difficult than actually showing up in school for a, for a, you know to be present in a class. They expect more out of you mm. in, a, in an online class. Would you agree with that, Megan? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, but what yeah. I'm saying, did he get the credit for creating oh, all of Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I knew you got the credit if you went to school. Uh -huh. oh, okay. But I'm, I'm just saying, is that a known fact throughout the world? Yeah, it is. Yeah. He's the I, guy uh, that created online. I, I read it as uh, part of my research. I was, I was very surprised in 2009 that he thought of this. Yeah, hello. You know, and he did. <laughs> hmm. Very bright guy. And he has three children, don't he? Three or four children? Four. Uh, any, we know yeah, anything about that? Yeah, he has four. I don't. Are they following his footsteps? I knew he I, I was, That's not something that I... Yeah. But I was shocked that, uh, to find out that he was that young. 84 when he passed? Yeah, because he looked old. I mean, he looked old 10 years ago. He looked the same, but mm. old. He looked like an 80s, 90s. Yeah, he was a very, he was overweight. He, had, he, was, he looked beat up. It was kidney failure, right? Was the reason yeah, he passed? Yeah, that's how he got kidney yeah. failure. Well, kidney you failure. Know, he, uh, that he was an actor, too. Did you know that, Gianni? No. Was he really? He, he played himself in 30 Rock. Huh. Uh, he was on a, a television show called Future Husband. 
and he he uh, where he confronts Alec Baldwin's character to confirm that the NBC uh, Universal belongs to him. He had he had uh, speaking parts. Wow. Yeah, he didn't he didn't waste his retirement. He didn't sit home and count his money. He wanted <laughs> to teach. He always did that. He wanted to act. He did that. Uh, he Maybe that's why he liked me. He did that. He, 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 I tell you right now though, he dissected a lot of my movies and was giving me accolades. And one that we spoke about numerous times, he loved The Freshman. Did he? He loved it. Well, it was a lot about New York and, and Matthew, but he, he was friends with Matthew Broderick and his wife. And so it, there was a lot of connections in between us. He loved celebrities. I mean, my, my last, two, two years ago, my last birthday was at Le Cirque. Mm-hmm. And I surprised Maggie and a couple other people because uh, a very close friend of ours, me and a lot of people loved this guy, Andrew Bocelli, was at Madison Square Garden. And he was gonna be there December 13th. So I knew he was in town, obviously. Mm-hmm. And all his people around him know me. And I had a, a birthday party at Le Cirque on my birthday. Right. And Good time to have it. But I'm saying, well, a lot of people have them different times. But I had it that night. And Andrew Pacelli and his new wife happened to be there, and uh, Jack Welch, Martha Stewart. No, 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 no. I I had Andrew Pacelli do me a big favor before he got married to this lovely lady he's with now, when he was at the Staples Center about six, seven, ten years now. And uh, we all hung out, and he knew these kids, the, the, uh, the Drago family out of Sicily. They own about six, seven major, major restaurants in Beverly Hills. Mm. Il Bustayo, they own everything. So, and he hung out with us, and obviously the world knows he's blind, so it's hard for him to get women. So he, he loved hanging out with, with us, and you know he did a concert at night, and then his limo would take him right to us at midnight. We'd keep the restaurant open, and this one night we closed the street off. Because he said it was his last night, he didn't have to worry about his voice, and he wanted to sing. And they, they, a lot of foreigners use this terminology, can you get some flowers for the table? Do you know what that means, Major? I don't. No, I don't either. <laughs> women? Sophisticated people don't say, get women for me. Okay, yeah. Can okay. we have some flowers for the table? Could you arrange that? So I got some flowers for the table for this guy. He never forgot me. I mean, mm-hmm. But he sang for maybe an hour. Because he, wow. wouldn't, he wouldn't do it while, until the concert was over and, and the club date was done. He was flying back to Italy. But, I mean, I can't believe what we heard. And then it's got to be that the word got out. The cars were lining Cannon Drive, blocking traffic. But the Beverly Hills Police Department weren't going to say anything. It's Andrew Bocelli doing arias at 1 o'clock, 1.30 in the morning. Wow. No, but, but Jack Welsh, I mean, he, he loved celebrity. Who were people that he was normally acquainted with besides somebody like Andrea Bocelli? Welsh? Mm-hmm. Every Christmas party. I mean, I just mentioned Seinfeld, okay. Tony Bennett. You name them, he hires them. He loved Liza Minnelli. He loved her mother. I mean, he, he just, and he had the money, obviously. I, I couldn't even imagine what the budget of his Christmas party. You have 500 people at the top of the sixes. Oh, my gosh. And this kind of, I mean, 
I know Jerry Seinfeld gets 150,000, maybe 200. Then it gets 250,000. I got 25,000. I thought it was making a score. Mm-hmm. But the guy is a very generous guy and he loves the arts. And I didn't know he was an actor. So that, that only proves. Yeah. He wanted to do it and he did it. Wow. He, always, he always played himself, you know, but still. Yeah, but still. Hey, that's yeah. hard to do sometimes. Because you, you, th- you think you're better than yourself most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's, that's a quote. Hello. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's interesting. No, but he, uh, not, that, that makes a lot of sense to me now. And you know what I found interesting is like I'd, I'd go to John Kluge's house and Jack Welsh was there. Hmm. And then I performed at, the, at the, uh, the Metropolitan Club here, which I don't know who, who anybody knows of this club. The Metropolitan Club is 160th Street on the corner of Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. The initiation fee is a million dollars. Oh, my god! And you have to have 10 members endorse you. <laughs> Okay. It's What's so special about this place impossible. other than the other guests? Well, it, it, what it is, it's it's a historic building overlooking Central Park. It's about four or five stories. Uh, there are some guest rooms that if you have out-of-town guests can stay. It's right across the street. I mean, and, and that little corner there is, you know, uh, the Sherry Netherlands, the Pierre. But it's the address to be invited to or party, you have to wear a tie yet, mm. and 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 all of that. But I, I I went to John. I performed at John Casamitidi's party four or five years ago, and the Jack Welshes, and that's who's there. And it, it's it's like that club. You don't break into that club. Wow. But uh, and now I've had, you know I've had Casamitidi's and his wife here, and a lot of major people. Major Rupert. You're a very nice guy. I spoke to him at your, uh, your our book party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, very, very, your... very, very pleasant guy. Yeah, no, but uh, and uh, he's not. He's now at about seventeen billion. Oh my gosh! In fact, he got in trouble this week. I was away. He was on the cover of the New York Post because his daughter Andrea, she's the head of the Women's Republican Party right now, and he was tracking her dates, because she's single. And he, he put in just for her, specifically. Because she has a drive, obviously, she's a billionaire's daughter. And he had face recognition in the car. So when they would go pick up the date, he knew who the guy was in 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, he would do a complete background. I read the article. She was very good with that. I know she was, was smart. He interviewed her, you know, but usually, you know, some spoiled brat, rich kid would would say, "I didn't know he was doing that." She was all on board with it. She said, "I feel safer." Of course. Wow. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 me being a father, and I'm not in that realm at all, but I had some notoriety when I was in Vegas. That they kidnapped my daughter, Gia. That was all before this. My, my you know, Gia's like fifty. She was like fourteen. I would have had that in two minutes in my car. Yeah. Because how do you, you know? If you had the technology. If you had the technology. But I was shocked at the way the New York Post handled this. They had a picture of him on the cover this Saturday. Mm. Yeah, she's quite a looker, the kid. Oh, my God. I mean, I, 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 I love the father and the mother. Even the brother John. I think John is going to be huge in politics. They're grooming him well. A good-looking little boy. And I, I watched him grow. watched them grow. But like you pointed out, she, she could be a movie star. She's, yeah, got, she's got that kind of look. Mm. She's got that, you know, that... 
a, a, a very, uh, how can I say this about my friend's daughter? Exotic. Exot- not, not only exotic, but exotic, sexy woman. Mm. Yeah, that too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Castor Matisse, didn't he run for mayor once? He ran for mayor? Well, I just found out this weekend because the Soloways, who, uh, who threw us the book party, they yeah. came up to Niagara Falls to see my show. Hmm. I had some of my, like Steve Marengoff, they came up. And these guys were all heavyweights. And it was so nice. I had the good, the bad, the ugly, the rich, the poor. I had everybody in my audience. So when did he run for mayor? He ran for mayor against de Blasio. De Blasio beat him. Obviously. Yeah, but I mean... Was was it close? I mean... Bo Deal was in that group too. He got one percent of the vote. Yeah, yeah, Bo Deal. <laughs> how did how did uh, Casamitidis? You know? But no, but Casamitidis did well because he he's got he's like Mike Bloomberg. I mean, look at what Bloomberg did this this year: five hundred million dollars on a campaign, and he got two percent. No, John did a lot better than that because he's a good businessman, and he and he's a staunch Republican. He, he had the Republican vote, but you know, I'm, a Democratic. A, a, a Republican mayor is going to be very hard. He thinks is, he has one I, more run. I, I, I would venture to say now that the people who voted for de Blasio wish they would have voted for Castro. Oh, my God, Deeds. yeah. Hmm. Your city's falling apart, my friend. No, no, no kidding. Crime rate is astronomical. I know, and, and they're not publicizing because of... Well, they released the, the uh, statistics last week. They have to release them. Yeah. And their only claim to fame is that uh, homicides were down. Yeah. Robberies are up 19%. Rapes are up rapes. 25%. I mean, unbelievable. And attacks on old people are crazy. Like, you know, uh, I myself seen it, and I walk with a, uh, a walking stick now that I don't need a walking stick, but I got a five-pound stick that, come and get me, boy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I won't go out when I, 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 I have a gun permit, I have all of that, but if I shot you, I'd be going to jail in this, in this environment now. Yeah. It's just crazy, so. Yeah, I'm hearing stories, not only from you, but from other, in fact, our agent, Frank Wyman, told oh, yeah. me some horror stories <laughs> about, the, the, I understand that, that, that the squeegee guys are back, the homeless people are back. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, street crime is way up. Way up, it's uh, crazy. Way up. No, and, and and I don't see it going down. I mean, do you think do you think he'd give it another shot, Castamatidis? He says he wants to, and I think I, the fact I, it's it's interesting because we were just told this this weekend because uh, as I pointed out, the Soloways were up there and they're very close to him, and he wants to go and he thinks the fact that he lost to him the last time, and now the shape of the city, he's got a big shot. Oh, he's got a good shot. Daffy Duck has a good shot. No, he's a and he's a business. Even man. his own uh, party people want him out. Yeah. No, I man, it's it's uh, it's a shame to see because you know uh, we, you and I've been here forever, but I feel it's the '80s again. I don't. Yeah, feel, that's what I'm hearing. I don't yeah. feel good about it. It's getting worse. Yeah, and I don't go into Central Park no more after this accolades of Central Park Five. There's little gangs in there now, twenty, thirty kids on these motorbikes. Yeah. And they come in at twilight and they're harassing you. And that almost happened to me, you know. And I said, you know, this is it. I walk Madison Avenue now. They got more cops than, than the police departments. They have their <laughs> own police department. Yeah, right. But uh, no, it's it's sad to to see the city where I mean, what Bloomberg did, I think, was far more greater than. Yeah, it was effective. Yeah, and, and what's an I mean, I mean you know, he, even though he's Italian, he took all the accolades after nine eleven. I mean, 
Rudy? Rudy uh, Giuliani. I mean, what he did Rudy. to the Italian population, I mean, some of it needed to be cleaned up, but he destroyed it. He actually took the Italian feast away from the Italians on Mulberry Street. Well, it's still there. Who's running it? No, but you can't have 100% of Italians having the stance. Now oh, we really? have all kinds of people. Okay. I mean, it's great, but what? The Chinese won't have a feast, have it in your town. Don't have, have it in your block. Why are you yeah. coming? To, and it has to be that way. And you so what to, was he saying? What was his uh, rationale behind that? That there was too much organized crime involved? Too much organized crime and payola and all of that. Oh, yeah. So now you have to get a, a permit from the city. Oh, and, so they vet you. They vet you. Mm. Where'd you get the money for the $5,000 for your 10-foot wide by 6-foot deep area? For you to build your stand on. That's what it costs, five grand? Some are bigger. They're bigger, yeah. more than. No, but see what he did, how he got that. He said, the streets of Mulberry Street, any street in this city, I control. And he's right. Yeah. We clean the streets, we police the streets. You could own the building on it. Right, but, but not the streets. The curbs, you don't own. And that's what they did. I mean, it brings in a lot of money. It's, I mean, it's more organized, mm -hmm. but it's not just Italian foods anymore. It's not just, you know, it's, it's, it, it lost the flavor, I think, of what, you know, it would be. But yeah. uh, to get back to Jack Welch, we lost an amazing, I did, friend, mentor, and, uh, and now that you're telling me, the legacy he's leaving with schools and all of that it's great when these kind of guys pass and they just don't dole it out to their family. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's nothing worse than being old. You live to a ripe old age and you start saying, I wish I did this, I wish I did that, I, I could have done this, I could have done that. Uh, he's, I'm sure with his last breath he wasn't thinking that. Not at all. Yeah. No. He, did, he did it all. Well, now, I even like the accolades of, you know, doing Saturday Night Live and 30 Rock and all those shows. It's, oh, they mentioned them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they yeah they did. Uh, they had uh, you know um, such respect for him because mm. you know he, he was Mister New York basically, mm. and it made well, it happen. Rest in peace, Jack Welch. Yeah. Rest in peace. And Jack this is Welch. part of our mentorship mentor series. There'll be more to come, right? Oh yeah, and he. I, that's one thing I could say, and I'm blessed. I mean, the people that were coming from my background without an education, and just plowing through and breaking through so many barriers mm -hmm. of the even business and film and singing and whatever, to be accepted by these people, to me, is, is one of the, the treasures that I'll always have. And Jack Walsh is one of them, and a great mentor, great mentor. Like oh, you have fond memories, and that's the best kind. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely perfect. So okay. Time to the mailbag. All right, let's get to it. So the first one is from James. James says, Gianni, I recently saw a photo of you and Thomas Gambino. How long have you known him? Do you have any stories you can share about him? I know Tommy Gambino most of my life. Mm. He lives about a block away from here. No way. Oh, yeah. And I will never talk about him ever again. All right. <laughs> good friend. Good man. All right. Very good. Okay. Next one is from Amanda. Amanda says, can you please, please do a podcast on Joe Kennedy? Your stories are amazing. I can sit and listen for hours. That could be one to do because, you know, I, I heard more about Joe Kennedy from Frank Costello. 
that uh, it's worth talking about. He and Frank Costello, Joe Kennedy, owned 11 Wall Street. When you think of the size of that building, mm-hmm. two bootleggers own the building. That's before they Well, that's had, a good idea, though. Let's, uh, yeah. let's uh, put that uh, yeah, on the list. Yeah, I just, I just took note research. of that. Yeah, please. Thank you. That's why the mailbag is so important. Anybody yes, that's absolutely. listening, give us material that you want to hear. Man, we'll do it. And who, who requested that? Amanda. Amanda, thank you so much. We're going to definitely do it. Yeah, it'll be coming up. Next, next show. Soon, the next it. couple of months. Yep. All you, right. You won't hear it for a couple of months, right. but we're doing we'll it. We'll record it next. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next one is from Michael. This one was addressed to me. Michael says, hello, Megan. I love the podcast. I purchased the book on my iPad the day it was released and read it in two days. Question for Mr. Russo. Does he believe there is still shady issues going on with the Vatican Bank? And was John Paul II pressured to turn a blind eye? He was not pressured at all. He, he went along with it because he realized uh, the guy before him didn't want to turn a blind eye. And look what happened to him. And he got a hot shot of tea and he was done. Mm. No, but it wasn't that. You know, it, it seems like it, it's corrupt. It's not corrupt. They're laundering money and... and Somebody's going to do it. And laundering money maybe should be uh, a, a, a new, uh, a, what's, a, what's a cleaner word for laundering, Pat? And then uh, uh, taking it to the laundromat? How's that? Uh, no, no. <laughs> they were washing no, it's, money, it's, but it's, it's, uh, it's obviously illegal. There's no way of, pardon uh, yeah. the pun, but cleaning it up. Right. Uh, you're not supposed to do it. But for those of you who are listening that don't know what we're talking about, we have. Uh, uh, a chapter in the book that has to do with with the Vatican and the shenanigans they were involved in is kind of too lengthy to go into now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also, and if you watch Godfather Three, that was a big part of it. Even they, Godfather Two, it opened it up to that too. So it, it's not that we're letting things out of the school, but I just happen to be in the control with a, a, a very nice man who's passed on, Nick Nitty, and he and I worked with the Vatican for 10, 12 years. Hmm. All right. But once again, read the book. Yeah. Mm, read yes, the book. Of course. It's in the book. Oh, and the book's name it happens to be Hollywood Godfather. Mm-hmm. My life in the what movies a, what and a the mob. Yeah. yeah, right. All right. Next one is from Liz. Liz says, Johnny, I'm curious to know what was it like working with Francis Ford Coppola? Do you have any interesting stories about him you would like to share? I really didn't have any because first of all, Francis Ford Coppola didn't cast me in the movie which really, he inherited me. Right. And then when he got on, Francis was adamant about having Pacino play Michael. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, Bobby Evans and all of them had their friend James Kahn as Michael. So the deal they made, which is an interesting story, I guess, the deal they made with Columbia Pictures, who had a movie committed by Pacino to star in right after Panic and Needle Park was the gang that couldn't shoot straight. Mm-hmm. So he wanted him. They gave him Carmine Caridi, who was playing Sonny in The Godfather, already cast, to become the star. So Carmine went, oh, wow, I'm going to star in this one. Because as we know, Sonny was the smaller part of the brothers. Right. Because he got killed at the toll booths. So... I think that put the chip on James Caan's shoulder early on because here he was playing Michael and then he got pushed back to play Sonny, which was the smaller role. Hmm. Is, it, is it true that one of the reasons Carmine didn't get the part was because he towered above Michael? 
No. No, no, I heard that rumor. No, 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 Carmine had the part. Okay, but he towered over somebody. He was a tall guy. I I knew Carmine. But they, that was, again, that was the powers that be. But Jimmy Connors is not a short guy. So, I mean, they thought he should be a big, muscular brother to be this guy. And uh, thank God, as we talked about many times, just the last show, Pacino, the mailbag, actually, somebody asked about Pacino. Mm -hmm. Pacino was brilliant. Like Pat said, I don't think anybody could play Michael any better than Pacino. Right. The transition was amazing. I think you're right. All right, next one is from Eric. Eric says, Gianni, do you know anything about Joe Bonanno in Tucson, Arizona? The reason I ask is my great aunt was a bookkeeper at Patio Pools, a local swimming pool maker, through the 70s and 80s. She liked to tell the story of Joe, I believe it was Joe, Bonanno, coming in and saying that he owned or financed the business, but she never really believed that it was true. What do you think? Well, I think anything that went on in Tucson when he was exiled there, people don't know that, Hmm. he had a choice of going back to Sicily or he said, can I go to Tucson? And Gambino, Costello, and the, the, the commission said, go there, never leave. And he never did. And his brother Bill, I mean, his son Bill took over later on. But Joe probably owned everything in that town hmm. because he had so much wealth. I mean, the way he got his wealth was through major drug dealing worldwide. Okay. And that's why they wanted him out of, out of New York. And he was plotting to take the Gambinos out and everybody else. Hmm. All right. Next one is from Nicholas for Patrick. Nicholas says, Patrick, it's clear you and Gianni formed a maybe unusual but amazing friendship. What did you know about Gianni before deciding to write together? That's a good question. I I knew of him, and I, I, I could recognize him on the street. He was basically a target. Uh from the Organized Crime Control Bureau, not because he was suspected of specifically doing something, but if you're seen in the company of people who are major targets, then you got to be doing something wrong. That's their prevailing attitude. Yes. Okay. So uh, whether it be true or not, in Johnny's case, it wasn't true. He was uh, doing other things that were legitimate. But uh, he, he was a target, and that's how I knew of him. Okay. And that was basically it? That was basically it. And now we're friends. And you are, are the best yeah. of friends. That's it. All right. Next one is from Aaron. Aaron says, I watched Frank Costello on YouTube being questioned during a Kefauver? Am I Kef- saying? Kefauver. Kefauver. Committee hearings. Why wasn't he given immunity from prosecution, which would have forced him to testify? Fantastic podcast. I'd like to hear some guests occasionally. Is that in the works? Yes, it is. Good question. Yes, we just uh-huh. spoke about that. Just about uh, I'll, that. I'll answer this if it's okay. Yeah, please, okay. please. Uh, legal question. Uh, immunity applies to witnesses testifying only. I don't know what whatever you see in, in the movies or on television doesn't apply. It's for uh, witnesses that are going to testify. They basically get forced to testify, and they give you immunity. Uh, but let's back up a little to answer the question. Frank Costello wasn't offered immunity because they weren't offering immunity back then. Right. Uh, the the Kefauver hearings were uh, 1952, and. Uh, Immunity wasn't uh, invented uh, and offered until 1967. But there's two types of immunity. There's uh, transactional immunity, which gives you a blanket or total uh, immunity, protects the witness from uh, future prosecution for any crimes he spoke of while he or she was testifying. And there's use immunity, 
USC, that prevents the prosecution from using the witness's own testimony or any evidence derived from that testimony against the witness. So if you turn down immunity, that's a crime because they're giving you a free ride. You can talk about crimes you did, crimes you're going to do, and you can't be prosecuted for it. So you can't refuse to testify under the Fifth Amendment. Huh. You can't say that uh, I refuse to answer on the grounds that it may incriminate me because it won't. Right. So if you turn down immunity, you get arrested for contempt. Huh. That's interesting. Very interesting. That's why he's on our show. Right? He's got all the facts. He's got the facts. He's got them. All right. So the next one is from Carl. Carl says, I grew up in New York and greatly admired Rudy Giuliani for his prosecution of the mafia and bringing the city together during the September 11th attacks. Recently, he's been acting like a buffoon with his rantings in the media. What happened? Do either Gianni or Patrick have any personal experiences with Giuliani? I do. <laughs> so do I. And that's he who he is. When he, when, you know, when he was the mayor and walking the streets as the hero, he forgot there was like 6,000 first, uh, uh, first, what do they call them? First, when they, first responders? First responders that did all the work. Right. What did he do? He took all the glory. And he well, is there was a, a time. There was a time when the city needed a leader, right? And anybody could have gotten up there. Exactly. I mean, his, uh, he, he was walking the streets with his uh, police commissioner, and just for the fact that they were walking the streets, particularly the uh, p- police commissioner Bernie Carrick, right, became a hero. Uh, was offered the uh, the job of head of homeland security, and if you don't know what he wound up, he did four yeah. years in a federal oh, yeah. prison. So it did make a difference who you were, and like Gianni says. It was the grunts that were on the pile right. digging out dead bodies who deserves the credit, not That's Giuliani. Right. But you have to give him credit for good management. I mean, he he he, he knew what he was doing. Uh, did you have any personal interaction with him? I I because you know I'm nuts. I've I been I, I've been around him so many times, and he put a very close friend of mine to jail. They made a deal with Angelo Ponte. I no problem. He just passed. Ponte, the restaurant guy? That was his grandfather, Philippe Ponte. Okay. But Angelo Ponte called, created Ponte Equities. His grandfather and father bought buildings, everything east of Canal Street. Listen to this one. They bought that whole neighborhood. for. He was buying buildings for $14,000, $15,000. Uh, I think, what's her name, just bought an apartment for $17 million in one of those buildings. This and is downtown Manhattan. Downtown Manhattan, right from the canal down to, to South Ferry. Hmm. They bought all those buildings. But along the way, they created Ponte's carding. And they were, he was, Giuliani was clamping down on all the carding because it was mob-controlled. Yeah, yeah, it was a periphery of the mob, but yeah, Angelo well, people Ponte. Don't, people don't know what carding is. It's garbage. It's collection. garbage trucks. Okay. And they had, when when they convicted my friend Angelo Ponte, he had 186 garbage trucks on the road. Did he do time? He wasn't supposed to do time. He paid a 17 million dollar fine. It's a and, lot of garbage. Yeah, hello. yeah. And he made a deal with with them because he did not want to do time. He was not a criminal. And why he didn't want to do t- crime, I was sitting there when he broke out crying. 
he didn't want his grandchildren to think he was part of the mob oh or that every Italian was a gangster. And they paid him, they planted him as a gangster. It was his delegates that were shaking down these people. He, had, he was management. He didn't know. He owned it. But they got him. And he did, huh. he did three and a half years, never, hard time, never was the same. Never. Giuliani's father was uh, involved. I know. Yeah, he, he doesn't bring that up. I know. But I had a problem with him. Uh, he wanted to uh, indict me for consorting with Chinese gangsters. Ever tell you the story? No. I'll make it fast. A guy named Johnny Eng, that's spelled N-G, uh-huh. was a uh, big-time, big-time gangster, very low-profile. Uh, I was working undercover, and somehow... I was selling pistol licenses. That was my cover. I don't want to get into it too much, but uh, I was approached by Ang and I became friends with him. He came to my retirement party. This was, he was number two on the FBI's most wanted list when he finally skipped the country right after Osama bin Laden. That's how involved this guy was with Chinese organized crime. But apparently Johnny didn't get the message and uh, they were going to bring a sealed indictment against me for consorting with Chinese gangsters. Johnny Eng being uh, one of them until, I don't even know if I should mention his name, so I won't, but a big shot in uh, NBC News who went on to much bigger and, and better things was in the office when Giuliani was talking about locking me up. And this guy, this reporter for NBC News, straightened him out. He said, you can't do that. He says he's, he's, he's on the clock here with those people. Right. But he was going to bring without even talking to anybody. So much was his was his ego and That's I think the I way he's acting like he's acting now it's always been him yeah but I think his personal life had a lot to do with it of late I mean this guy owes a lot of money his wife's his ex-wife is suing him uh, I think that that has a lot to do I mean he's acting like a real idiot well I, I mean we've all been under pressure for money or whatever else or our lifestyle yeah. has changed True. I think he's a buffoon I mean he's making statements like He's a loose cannon. Mm. And he thinks, what do you think his future is going to be like? Oh, my God. I don't know. I really don't know. But they, he, they got two of his uh, uh, business people from uh, Ukraine. I know. That they got immunity. Right. <laughs> or they will get immunity for testifying against him. He's got a problem, a big but, problem. But you know, you know what I find even more interesting? Trump just uh, pardoned Bernie. That's bad for him. You know, Trump pardoned Bernie. Bernie Carrick? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. I know, but that's that's Rudy's guy. Well, I got to give him credit for doing it in the middle of his term. If you recall when uh, Bill Clinton uh, was leaving office after his second term, two hours before he was set to leave office. He got cleared, the he, cl- cleared the cells. <laughs> he, no, he, no, he pardoned Mark Rich. You know who Mark Rich of is? Of course I do. Okay. Are you kidding? I know his wife. She lives here yet. I, I, I worked for his wife, and I don't want to get into that on the yeah. air. But, uh, uh, anyway, he, uh, Mark Rich fleeced. Uh, he was a hedge fund guy. Yeah. He specialized in uh, 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 people from Virginia, coal miners, hardworking people. Gave him $500 million. He pocketed it and fled to Switzerland. Yeah, he's still there. Yeah, well, he doesn't have to be now because uh, it's la- Bill Clinton's last official act was pardoning Mark Rich, and he took a lot of flack for it, just like... Uh, Trump is taking a lot of flack from pardoning uh, Bernie Carrick right. and the ex uh, 
uh, governor of of Chicago, was it? Of Chicago, whatever yeah. his name was. But at least he did it in the middle of a term. He's willing to take the flag. And I'm not a Trump fan at all. I mean, he stiffed me out of money. I'm not a, a great admirer of Trump. <laughs> but when he's going to do something, he does. He doesn't care what anybody says. Oh, yeah. Clinton did it on a, literally on the way out the door. Right. I and remember that. There's a big that. story behind that. And I think you know where that's going, but I can't talk about it. Well, I'm good friends with his wife here yet. Yeah, yeah Denise. Yeah, Denise. Yeah, tell her I said hello. And pretty, pretty brunette. Yeah, I haven't seen her in, since I worked for her. And it's been a while. Yeah, she's good friends with the Soloways and everybody. She used to come to my shows at, at Boutique and, and, and Feinstein's. Tell her I said hi. Yeah, I think he left her a couple of hundred million just to play with here in New York. Oh, yeah. I'd like to say a lot of that went to me, but no, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, well, that's it for tonight. Bidip, bidip, bidip. That's mm. all, folks. That's all, folks. All right, so again, our spiel every time we leave you, thank you for listening. Tell your friends, need more subscribers. We are getting special guests, not people who just want to rant about their accolades and can't talk. Or no, that's them. our job. Yeah, t- that's right. Right. We <laughs> do all the ranting and whatever, but the thing is that we promise you great guests. We have one grooming him right now. Not that he needs grooming, but Pat is vetting it out, and we're going to have him on soon. But thank you, and God bless you all, and... Wash your hands. <laughs> Good advice. Yeah, People need to, to hear listen it. to this show. Yes. I'm going to wash your ears. <laughs> I'm okay, talking about the coronavirus. Everybody. Yeah, right. Uh, All right. Good night, Good guys. Night. Love you guys. Bye. Night. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid. You can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be wrong. Or when it seems your friends desert you. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.